Welcome to Eau Claire is Here, your place to find out a little bit more about the people, places, and happenings going on in the best little city in Wisconsin. Now introducing your hosts, Jane Seymour Kunick and Jerry Annis. Hello, welcome to our podcast. Eau Claire is here, and you should be too. Starring Lil J, Jerry Annis, and Big J, Jane Kunick. And we are excited about our podcast and talking about Eau Claire and living in Eau Claire and everything Eau Claire has to offer. Podcast number two, we're talking about Eau Claire and roots and how you got here. So, Jane, how'd you get here? Well, I have a good story. Let's hear it. Okay. My dad and mom were living in a suburb outside of Chicago, and my dad was born and raised in that area. My mom was from a smaller town in Illinois, but dad was driving one of my mom's nephews or somebody up to Duluth and went through Eau Claire. On the old 53, you had to drive right through Eau Claire. Mm-hmm. And of course, on his way through, he th- he thought it looked like a nice city. And then on his way back, he kind of drove around a little bit more. And he liked the way it felt, the way it looked. Mm-hmm. He liked the river going through the city. And he wanted his family to live in a city like Eau Claire. So he went home to my mom, who I think had five little kids at that time and said that he wanted to move up to Eau Claire. And well, a big change from Chicago. Big change. And my mom agreed with that. Actually, I think I have my facts mixed up. I think I think my brother my second brother was born here in Eau Claire. So they might have only had my oldest sister. And they moved to Eau Claire and really liked Eau Claire. And I think for some reason he got a job back in Illinois again. And then we came back. And when he came back, he brought his brothers, older brother and younger brother, both moved their families from the Chicago area to Eau Claire. Mm -hmm. And they all made really strong roots here. My dad was a structural engineer and my uncles were architects and they designed a lot of buildings that are in Eau Claire. Hmm. And I remember my dad always pointing out the different buildings that between himself and my uncles that they had a little hand in, you know, it was kind of, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was very, I was always very proud of all of them. I remember that every time we would go to the Y, you would say, this is my dad's building. (laughs) And I never understood why, so. That wasn't one of them. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So. And how'd you get here? Well, I was left in a little laundry basket on the, uh, by the fire department. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, that's a TV show. Never mind. <laughs> no, my family moved here in 1972. My parents grew up in the cities, and my dad was a coach at the University of Minnesota, played football there, and then he coached 12 years, and then he had an opportunity to start a new career with a company called Justin's, mm-hmm. sales rep. So he took that, and the territory was Eau Claire in northern Wisconsin. So he kind of took it sight unseen and pretty big leap of faith. Took over a territory that had no business, no volume, but when they came to the to Eau Claire, they fell in love with it instantly, too, with the 
two rivers and and especially the people mm -hmm. you know so that's where I think you and I first met way yes. back in 72 73 and yes. we've known each other for a long long time but you know that's kind of the deal with Eau Claire once you get here you don't want to leave and it to me it just has the feeling of a small town but you know there's enough people where you have enough amenities and things to do and places to go and people to see well and after I got married we moved to Arizona and started having kids and I knew I wanted to come back here because I wanted to raise my kids in Eau Claire because of the schools and the parks and the people and my family and I know you kind of have a similar story mm -hmm. in that you've come back yeah yeah we moved away we moved to Minocqua for a, a number of years and then empty nest friends moving and Eau Claire was the perfect fit to come back and reestablish the roots and just like you all my family's here except one brother and all yeah. 200 Seymours in Eau Claire. Right. I have I, there's five of us here kids with their families and one sibling that lives in Milwaukee. Yeah. It's a great yeah. town. We so got now a lot we get to, to talk work about. together. Right on. Right. Big J. Right. So Scott did an interview with Matt and Susie, our friends Matt and Susie. And you know what I love about them? What? Nice people. Very nice. But Matt's voice. Matt's voice is I think if I gave awesome. him a dollar. If I gave him a dollar, would he sing a Barry White song for me? I bet he would. He's got that deep voice, so Right, right. But. So Scott interviewed our friends Matt and Susie. Kinzera, and they have an interesting story of how they got to Eau Claire and the different trails their life have taken. And let's shoot it over to Scott and his interview with Matt and Susie. Yeah, bring it, Scooter. I'm so excited to have these two wonderful people, some great friends. They have such a great story to tell, and I'm excited to share that with you. They've done so much. Right now, currently, they're doing In It Together and I'll let them explain all the wonderful things they're doing there. And Matt is doing a podcast, Jesus Never Ran, and just some awesome things that you guys are doing in this Eau Claire community. I met Matt in the Singing Statesman, a group that we sang in in college, and we really reconnected through church. So thank you so much for joining us. This is Matt and Susie Kinzera. Good to be here. Yeah, we are, uh, neither of us grew up in Eau Claire, but we all got here because of the university in Eau Claire. And that's where it all started. It all started in that uh, in that music department that you talked about. The love about. of music. Yeah, the love of music brought all three of us together, some of us more than others. But uh, with Susie and I, that's where we fell in love. Uh, not that I didn't fall in love with you too, Scott. I did, just in different ways. Yeah, thank different you. Ways. Thank you. Yes. I agreed. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys met in college. Well, we actually knew each other prior to college. We were both in a performing arts group called the Kids from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Oh, so yeah, we, way back in high school. Well, yeah. it was my senior year then going Jesus. into college. Sure. Yep, mm -hmm, my freshman year of college. And so I just had one summer. And you basically just travel around Wisconsin and you perform shows in different communities, different schools, different fairs. And that's your first real gig of, like, getting paid as a musician. So we would get a per diem check every week. And I thought that was awesome because my parents could not tell me any longer that I couldn't get paid as a musician. I was getting paid as a musician. So. 
So we um, knew each other through that group and then saw each other at the music department. Oh, Matt was stalking the, me. Let's be real. That is borderline stalking, <laughs> probably. I mean, I definitely had a uh, unhealthy obsession with Susie even before she got to college here. <laughs> and it all worked out in my favor, so that's yeah. good. In hey. a great little twist of events. Because I, Yeah, I had a girlfriend at the time who her, her car just happened to break down one day and uh, she couldn't come visit me because she is from out of town and then Susie just happened to be nearby and we went out to coffee and that was uh, that. Was that. <laughs> <laughs> so our first First date was seeing John McCarty at Acoustic Cafe downtown Eau Claire when Matt still had a girlfriend. <laughs> on the way out, it sounds like. Yes. Definitely on the way yes. out. Definitely on the way out. Awesome. Well, it's fitting that you were. It was a musical date. We started a faith music band. It was called One Core, and that was just at the very early stages of figuring out what faith meant, uh, especially for me as an early believer. And I was writing music even in fifth grade about God, but I didn't really have a relationship with God. So I always thought it was super surreal. Like, why am I writing music about God? I don't really understand who he is or how faith is relevant to me as a fifth grader, you know? But I went to church as a kid. And then when I came here to college, that was actually a huge piece of the beginning of our relationship journey was, you know, Matt talking about how important his faith was to him and so like my heart just grew and I wanted to learn more and so I was already writing music and I thought hey I'm gonna kind of I think I'm gonna switch careers here because I really wanted to go into musical theater I came to the school of Eau Claire like the university and was a performance art arts major and I loved musical theater to make kind of a long story short, I did move out to New York and auditioned for shows and that was a, I'm so glad that I did. I don't have any regrets because I lived there and that was a wonderful part of my life experience. Then he proposed and engaged and I just thought, I just don't, my heart isn't in this musical theater thing anymore and I've been writing more music and I wonder if we should do something with music in our faith journey. And so... Yeah, and then we started a, a little band with some yeah. friends here in Eau Claire, all music department people at the time. And there was this band tournament in the Twin Cities called the New Union Band Tournament. And we had this brand new band. It wasn't even, a, we hadn't even been doing this for, what do you think, maybe four to six months we had this band. And we decided to enter this band tournament. And out of all these bands from the area in the Twin Cities, we ended up winning. We tied. We tied with, with, with one other band, mm -hmm. which then opened the door for us to travel all over and tour with that band. Yeah. Old van on the road, six young people living the dream. Yeah. So that was the that beginning was that. That was kind the of what we were doing in Eau Claire and how we were trying to make an impact and a difference in people's lives. We would host concerts and people would come and they would worship and it was just really That's fun. Good. Mm -hmm. good times. Living in the van or by a river or by, uh, <laughs> I mean, in, in hotels? We would stay or? with people. People would host oh, sure. us. Sometimes okay, hotels. Sure. Nice. Yeah. For, for about a year and a half, we didn't actually have a home address. We Susie didn't. and I didn't. Wow. The rest of the band did, but we didn't because we were on the road so much. So we'd just stay with people when we were back in Eau Claire. Otherwise, we would just... And then the band one. broke up. There was no VH1 special. There should have been. But there should have been because that was traumatic. <laughs> actually, we're all still great friends and yeah. still do music together. And then we we just did independently for another yeah. couple of years. And then it was just Matt that. and Susie K. Mm -hmm. And then it's been kind of that ever since. Yep. So. Yeah, that's awesome. The entrepreneurship, the adventure. We just are people but, that 
got comfortable with it. risk. I know and that to be an entrepreneur, you have to be comfortable yeah. with risk. And I we, thought it was fun. It was a blast. Yeah. When you start your relationship, comfortable with that risk. Yeah. Eventually, then you were doing music, a worship band at, at churches in the area. And then leading into one of your bigger adventures was starting a church, which, yeah. wow. Yeah. Tell us about that. Let me just start it with Ufta. It was, it was a, well, because it wasn't just any church. We had like worship services there. We had a transitional housing program. We had some food things. We had community event. We did a lot of stuff when we were down there. At the end of the day, it was great for the standpoint that we helped a lot of people, um, helped a lot of people feel like they had a space where they could come, connect to God, feel valued, and we feel like we did that as long as we possibly could. But that type of work takes a lot out of a person, and uh, at the end of the day, we just were so worn out after 70 years of that that we had to, um, for the sake of our own health, for the sake of our family, um, we needed to make a a We need to pivot. We need to pivot, yeah, yeah. Yes. But we we cherish that time and we cherish those memories and the people that were alongside us for it. So. Yeah. You guys go all in, and so yeah. when you invest that much of yourself, <laughs> or for worse. Um, yeah, and that's awesome. But that's how we need to do it. I think a lot of us, you know, dabble, yeah. and then we don't get to where we want to be. And you're only going to find out. And that's why when I talk about being inspired, it's easy to say and talk. But you guys have done that. I just remembered in that time you were also a chaplain at a prison as well. For most of the time, so I started my uh, prison chaplaincy about a year before B-Side started and I ended it about a year before B-Side ended. You know, I always say, I don't know what I was thinking. I To be bivocational <laughs> as a pastor of a community for homeless and struggling people and to be a prison chaplain at the same time was probably not the healthiest. wisest, healthiest. I mean, you're a, you're a mental health professional. You, I should have asked you before I did that. I should have said, Scott, what do you think of this? And you could have said, Matt, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, we love both of your hearts because, and we can all, if we can do half of what you guys have tried, man, we can do so much more, I guess. And that's what you. you guys have done right there is a great example. It's not a simple, um, you know, I've been in one position for all, and let's get into other no, stuff. But no, no. I think it's important to tell the backstory as we to show what is possible that we can jump and pivot. I love that yeah. word that you're using because we get stuck mm-hmm. and think that we need to stay and and, and we're afraid to change. Mm-hmm. And oh, I know it's crazy if I can just interject yeah, for a second please. with that because I read a Jen Hatmaker book and she just really set me free. I was feeling things that she was describing but I couldn't put words to it and she was just like if I could go back and tell myself 10 years ago it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to transform your thoughts and what you think or what you've been told and to really uh, challenge the things that you've been taught in your life that don't attack the status quo or don't really help us position ourselves or our communities to be in a better place. I just love that because I do feel like I've changed as a person every 10 years. I feel like seasons of life change. I have transformed and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to transform as human beings and so it's okay to pivot. It's okay to make changes. And I think we get caught in the lie of believing like we have to stay in one career our whole life. I just wouldn't match that my whole life. I wouldn't match who I was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, who I am now because hopefully I've 
toward as a person, you know? So I just think we have to be a little bit easier on ourselves and allow ourselves to change. Absolutely. And right now we're in a huge season of change mm-hmm. and we're forced out of our comfort zones. And so I think that's one of the reasons why Eau Claire is here, You Should Be Too, is also about trying to encourage, bring some positivity at a time that is challenging, but also try to not let that fear of those changes overcome and know that seasons too can pass and can bring other new life. And as, as you guys pivoted then, running In It Together. So let's talk about that. In It Together, what we do is we produce events to encourage people's relationships. It started because we wanted to encourage marriages. We love our marriage. It's phenomenal. 21 years, baby. 21 years, almost 22. It's one of the strong points of our our life is our marriage. It's probably the biggest strong point of our life is our marriage. It's always been strong. It's always been supernatural on some level. We really believe God brought us together. It's always been adventurous. It's it's this beautiful thing and sure it has its ups and downs, but ours has had mostly ups. Mm -hmm. And so we said right after we got married, we knew that we were a part of something special being a part of each other's life. And we said, boy, we should, since our faith was and we were like, we should do some sort of marriage ministry. But when you're in your early 20s, like nobody wants to hear advice from you. You know, we're so, six months in. Yeah, we've got it all figured Let's out. Let's counsel the world and yeah. all the couples in it. And so we figured that out. And so we said, we're going to shelf this thing until we're in our 40s. And then lo and behold, the the ending of B-side, the ending of the prison chaplaincy happened when we were entering, close to entering our 40s. And so when we finally got our heads back above water. The thing that came out was, hey, remember, Mm -hmm. remember we said we were gonna encourage couples. Sadly, our kids would come home and they would tell us about families that were separating in their schools, you know, friends from school, and then. How old are your kids now? 16 and 14, two girls, yeah, Yeah. almost 17. The pivoting moment for me, the pivotal moment, that would be the Yes. The pivotal pivoting moment. (laughs) Was when my neighbor actually came across the street and told me that her husband had asked her to move out and that he didn't love her anymore. And it was, it was literally so devastating for me to hear that from her. So then we just started dreaming and brainstorming a little bit like, well, what could we do? And we got sick of ourselves going out to dinner in a movie. So we're like, why don't we host fun date nights? We love gathering people and hosting just parties even at our house. So why don't we host date nights and they can be themed and we'll do some tongue-in-cheek ukulele music or jazz music and make it really playful. And Because couples can't get away all weekend and do super intense weekend conferences and sometimes that's not what you need. That can even make it worse because then you're focusing on all your weaknesses instead of your strengths. So we just really like to remind couples of how they love each other. Done a lot of them all throughout the Midwest. We've been out to the West, West Coast and uh, and yeah, it's, it's been an exciting thing. And now it's really expanded to not just be about couples. We still do all of our couples things, but we've also realized that just general relationships in the workplace and friendships in all different spaces are affected by this. So now we're starting to produce events for businesses as well who will bring us in either for a special event or for a conference. And we still do the lighthearted fun stuff with music and comedy but we also talk about how to have a great relationship because yeah, there's some of those universal, universal truths universal, yeah universal, universal truths stuff. about how to be a good friend how to be a good co-worker how to be a good spouse or yeah how to couple. communicate how to yeah communicate. communication is that at the end of the day no matter if it's a workplace a spouse your kids it's communication even the season that we're in with the state of our world right now it will slow people down to appreciate their loved ones and how to communicate. And granted, you might be in tight quarters, 
but there are lots of things that you can do to improve your relationship and improve yeah. your communication right the, now. The so. silver lining of all of us being quarantined on some level, all of us being stuck at home, not being able to go out to eat and things like that, is that you know we have time together. The vast majority of us have gained time together. Some people in the medical profession and other professions have not, but the majority of us mm -hmm. are going to be together with our families and our loved ones more. So let's take advantage of that because that's all we can do in situations like yeah. this. What can we do to make the most of whatever we find ourselves in the middle of? And those are the number two, like those are the top two things that when when we um, encourage couples or people, we ask them what it is that they want or what they're looking for, and they're like time and better communication. Those are almost, it. Almost always. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, sometimes they say sex. But. Yeah, but we we have a date. We have a date night for right, that too. Course. We have a date night for that too. We do the have a date night with it. that. Topic. The guys love that one. The guys do love it. Yeah. I think it is important to piggyback off what you said. Um, we do have to try to make the best of it, and we all know this. Easier said than done. When a lot of the things are taken away from us, I think, like you said, silver lining. We are forced to recognize what's most important, and to readjust. We need to step it up and do what we can at home to say well that's all the stuff that we wouldn't normally do we need to live outside the box yeah. if we're inside a box we can still live Ooh, outside this box I like right well I mean people complain all the time about not having enough time mm -hmm. now we have time so let's not complain about having too much time right let's absolutely make the most of it great advice because complaining really doesn't get us anywhere it just no. perpetuates that you negativity know what they say about complaining yeah. and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what they say about. You know, we're gonna all figure this out, but we need to do it together. Yeah. Instead That's of right. that panic and anxiety can divide us. Mm -hmm. Just to have compassion and empathy for each other on Absolutely. on a larger level. To be patient. All things that we know, but sometimes that we just need to talk frankly about it mm -hmm. because right now it is. Yeah, nerve-wracking. And one of the things that we're thankful that we've done as a family and as a couple is we've really focused on simplifying our life and living simply. Coming into a situation like we're currently in, you know, it's not as daunting because we live simply. So we don't need to make a, a boatload of money to meet the bills. We are very resourceful and we've learned to do that. And in a time like this, that certainly proves to be helpful. And we also know that when you live simply, even not in a time like this, uh, living simply gives you gives you more time for each yeah. other as well. That kind of leads right into one of the focuses of Matt's podcast called Jesus Never Ran, right. is trying to simplify and slow down our lives, which we're naturally forced to do right now. Yeah. I love the name and I do, I, I want to just say that I think right now it's so relevant because as people are running <laughs> to the toilet paper aisle, um, <laughs> Jesus Never Ran. Yeah, I mean, if you look in the Bible, it's, it's a tongue-in-cheek that in the Bible there's never any reference to Jesus running. And it came when I did a message series about just slowing down, exactly what we're just talking about. And so then uh, I got into podcasting a couple of years ago and thought, hey, everybody's always told me I have a radio voice. Maybe I've never wanted to be in radio, but maybe podcasting is my niche. Mm -hmm. it's, it's going great, and it's all about people making time in their life to make a difference in this world. Because if we all take time to make a difference, this world's going to be a wildly different place. And mm -hmm. so podcasting a beautiful thing check out this podcast of course check out uh, Jesus Never Ran mm -hmm. and, uh, there's so many great ones out there the one that got me started was Malcolm Gladwell and uh, he has one called The Revisionist History and I uh, love that one so putting a plug for my favorite podcast we learn and grow and that's what we want to do with this podcast and that's what you 
you're doing and if we can learn and be in it together we're gonna all benefit speaking of learning and growing you mentioned a podcast is there a book that you would recommend you mentioned empathy already we talk a ton about empathy we have an entire date night about empathy a lot of the ideas for that date night were from lesson leslie parrot mm -hmm. and they have a book called trading places that if you're going to read one book that's going to help your marriage mm -hmm. or your relationship that's probably the one that we would recommend mm -hmm. oh i love the time. next right thing Ooh, by emily good. freeman and and simply tuesday those have been two books that i that i have have just been loving because it's again about pace of life yeah you mentioned too jen hatmaker is a huge yes love jen hatmaker. she's got a great podcast as well but her richard book, rohr richard rohr is if you're talking about spiritual books richard yeah. rohr richard rohr and richard rohr <laughs> brian um, mcclaren brian mcclaren and brian <laughs> mcclaren um, there's so many i could go on i'm too much of a reader to ask that question too it's been just a pleasure and i can't wait to do it again yeah. thank you so much this is well claire is here you should be too Good, thank you, Scooter. Great interview. Matt and Susie Kinzira, great story. Yes. Wonderful couple. I really admire the two of them and their entrepreneurial spirit. Not afraid to go out and take a risk and do some pretty creative things mm -hmm. in it together. What a wonderful thing. You and I were to a couple of those. Yes. And then his podcast, Jesus Never Ran. Right. In Talk Sandals. About his, and you get to listen to his voice. Yeah. Get to listen. So wonderful interview. So you can check those both out. And in it together was a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, Scott and I went and had a great time. We went a couple times, actually. They're, they're very creative, fun, you know, loving people to be around. Yeah, energetic. And that's kind of what we're talking about, great yep. people in Eau Claire. Mm -hmm. So we're signing off on our second podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. Very good. Eau Claire's Thank here. You. you should be, too. Right on. If you enjoyed the Eau Claire is Here podcast, be sure to subscribe and then give us a five-star rating and write a review. That's the best way to get this podcast in front of as many people as possible.